Welcome again, everyone, to another edition of the Underdog Podcast. A little fun, bo- fun belt talk coming your way. As always, your host, Adam Luckett. And I think you know what we're going to talk about on this episode of the podcast. But if you're not, uh, please give us a follow at Underdog Dynasty and a like on Facebook. And if you could drop us a review um, on iTunes, we would really appreciate it. Today, we're bringing back Brian Stone, our Georgia Southern beat writer over at underdogdynasty.com. And Brian and our team have been all over the Georgia Southern head coaching vacancy as the school decided to let Tyson Summers go of his duties last Sunday evening. Brian, welcome to the show, my man. How surprised were you by that decision on Sunday? Uh, I was surprised that the decision came down when it did. Um, I'm not surprised that the decision was made. Uh, from from all indications, I felt like we were going to retain him throughout the rest of the season. But uh, I think they made the right decision uh, for the first time this season. They've done something correct. Um, and I, I felt like it was something that was probably way overdue considering how we finished last year or just how we played last year in general and then, you know, the leading up to getting stopped by UMass. So did you think that was the um, athletic director's decision? I know you said in the past that he had pretty much, you know, wanted Summers and that's who he wanted for the job and you didn't think that he would want to fire him. It might it might have had to come from someone else. Do you think that was his decision, or do you think that came from some higher powers? Uh, so a little bit of background. Uh, our new university president took over at the beginning of last season. Um, so it was the first year for him. It was the first year for Summers. Uh, Kleinlein was into his second head coach. Uh, I felt like last year he probably just gave the reins to Kleinlein while he kind of felt out what he was doing. This year, I feel like he was getting a lot more heat because it was, you know, it's his second year. People are going to give him less of a pass and feel like he needs to be more active uh, with athletics. But I mean, I've I've been on message boards and everything. People have said that they've, you know, emailed him to no end leading up to like Sunday and was just saying, you know, like I'm going to pull donations or I'll donate more if Summers was was gone or anything like that. So I felt like it was probably a little bit of pressure. Uh, on Kleinline from the new president, whose name is uh, Jamie, Jamie Bear, And uh, I felt like Kleinline probably knew, uh, you know, we don't we don't know what he knows or what he thinks, but I feel like he knew that 0-6 was unacceptable, especially the way they went out, you know, it was 48-17 at halftime of that game on Saturday. I felt like uh, he knew probably by the end of the first quarter that Summers wasn't going to be back for uh, Monday morning. Yeah, with Summers, it wasn't just – I mean, obviously they had the offensive issues, but defensively, especially this year, they were just getting lit up game after game by every team they played. So, I mean, it was just an all-systems failure, it seemed like. It seemed like even Summers knew he was done uh, at the start of this season. It just never went well. The hiring of Brian Cook, um, the offense has started to get going lately, but – they're they're an offense that looks like they're trying to do 18 different things, um, a lot like last year, and so I think it was probably a relief to Summers that you know we could he can start anew and they can just move on and uh, get going with whatever they want to go in the future. Um, moving forward, they promoted Brian Lunsford, I believe he's a special teams coach to um, Chad Lunsford. I'm sorry. Um, no, and then, so they promoted him, and it seems that he's been at Georgia Southern for a while. 
Um, what can you tell us about him? Is there any chance that you can maybe see him as emerging as a candidate for this position? So uh, Lunsford has been with the program since 2003. Uh, and so he's been there through, you know, some of the best uh, years they've had under Munkin and Fritz. Uh, he's also seen, you know, some of the worst, uh, you know, performances in, in school history. Um including this year, which is a complete debacle from, from beginning to end. Um, I've, I've read something today that said that this six-game stretch to close out the season is essentially going to be his job interview. Um, and I really feel bad for him because I feel like they're setting him up uh, to fail almost because if you look at how bad this team is on film, they don't cover anybody Somehow they always bring five guys and never get any pressure, which I don't understand. Um, offensively, I mentioned this when you know I went to the Indiana Georgia Southern game and made the trip up to Bloomington. Their blocking schemes on offense don't seem to make any sense. Like they'll they'll move all their offensive linemen to the opposite side of the field that the run play is going to, or you know it's, it's just stuff like that. So I feel like that's something really tough to get cleaned up in the span of I mean what's essentially a you know a week or less than a week, six days until they play Troy. So I just feel like they, there's no real chance that he gets brought back because there's no real chance that they turn turn this thing around in the span of, what, six weeks, five weeks, something like that. So I feel like it's almost setting him up to fail a little bit, which I feel is unfair considering how long he's been with the program. Yeah, when you look at that schedule, um, per S&P Plus, they only have a, a win probability of greater than 30% once the rest of the schedule, and that's when Georgia State comes to town on November 4th. And it's really the the next two games or next three games, I guess. Uh, Troy, Georgia State, and Appalachian State; those are three big games for Georgia Southern and for the fan base. So if they, you know, don't look good or don't play well coming up in those games, um, you could really see that season tanking, which yeah, is tanked so, already, I guess. But for Lunsford, you could see his chances, I guess, tanking. Yeah, and like I said, I don't feel like it's fair because I. It's not like he went in with the the team from last year that, you know, had a bunch of returning guys. This team's got eight seniors on the whole roster. I mean, it's it's kind of a – it's a mess from top to bottom. Their defensive coordinator, uh, Zoe Constantini, has not shown any signs to, of knowing what is going on at any given point uh, or how to adjust to getting torched in the secondary every single week, uh, which is something you'd think they'd figure out if they get paid as much money as they do. Yeah, it's just been a weird, weird tenure – um, so let's just put a bow on this Tyson Summers tenure. What Georgia Southern fans look back at this, what will they attribute to the Summers failing to? Will they attribute to um, him just being a bad coach, or will they attribute to the administration mysteriously hiring him? Uh, I think they're going to contribute it to uh, a young guy who just wasn't ready to be a head coach. Um, when I did my intro article of him, he had only been a defensive coordinator for maybe two or three years total. Um, I believe that's been, right at UCF, and then he had one year at Colorado State before he took the gig. Yeah, so so that's that's nothing in the span of you know considering who else was on the block there. You know, it was Brent Pry, the defensive coordinator for Penn State, Tony Gibson, defensive coordinator for West Virginia, and Jamie Chadwell, who's now taken over Coastal Carolina essentially in uh, Mowgli's absence. To to go out and hire a guy that has almost little to no experience, even running one side of the ball. And this is kind of my problem. People have brought up uh, Del McGee, who was with the program when Fritz was here, and he's now the running backs coach at Georgia, and obviously he's done a great job recruiting and all that. 
I want I want a guy that comes in who at least knows how to run one side of the football, if not in like an FCS team, like the whole team. And that's that's the real problem is they brought in a guy who was just completely unprepared for the position. Uh, you know, if you had gotten him at a lower level uh, G5 school that didn't have the pedigree of a Georgia Southern, I feel like he would have had more time to maybe work stuff out. But you can't come in with the team that we had last year and, you know, we had 24 seniors and those guys had gone on and won a bowl game and a conference and everything. Can't come in and go 5-7 and seven your first year and certainly can't come in the next year and start at 0-6 and, and expect to keep your job. So I, I think it's more on Klein line of uh, hiring a guy who clearly wasn't ready to to be a head coach at the FBS level. Yeah, I think the way the roster was set up, it was set up for Summers that first year to have a really, really good season, and then this year, the second year, to take a little bit of a step back. Um, but, you know, obviously five and going 5-7 and seven with that team last year is unexcusable, and then you just can't lose games the way they were losing. Um, Georgia Southern is one of the best jobs in this league. Um, they shouldn't be, you know, winless. You know, it's looking like an 0-12 season is a real, real big um, possibility at this point. Um, moving forward, it seemed to me that the hiring of Summers was done because of his uh, ties he had to Georgia. I believe he coached high school in Georgia, and his dad's a longtime high school coach in Georgia. So they thought that they could – you know, bring him in, and it could help up the recruiting. Um, and it seemed like maybe they wanted to get away from the option, but it seems that whenever that happens, Georgia Southern, they start to lose games. Um, going forward, do you think that – what do you think should be the number one candidate for a head coach? Do you think it needs to be that, you know, they have they're, – they're option-based or that they're young and upcoming, they're a recruiter? What are you, what are you looking for? Or that they have head coaching experience? What – do you think needs to be the number one quality when they're going out and doing this search? Uh, I think with, with how the last hire went, um, this needs to be the safest candidate possible. Um, they can't take a chance on a guy who, again, has, has no head coaching experience and isn't ready for a post. You need a guy, and, and this is what, what I brought up in that, that article with the five candidates, you know, most of those candidates, I think three of them already have head coaching experience at the FCS level. And so it's, you know, a Mike Houston or something like that. You need somebody with a winning pedigree who has led an entire team and knows, you know, what they need to do day in and day out to make a team great. Uh, Summers didn't even spend enough time under other head coaches to figure out how to do that, um, much less himself, obviously. So, I don't. I don't agree with the notion that we absolutely have to run a flex bone triple option and we have to get under center and do all this stuff. Obviously, we've seen that Fritz's offense can work. I think a run heavy scheme with the right head coach could work out. But first and foremost, I feel like we need experience at the head coaching position uh, of someone who has run a football team before. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Experience, I think, for this search specifically, is really important. Because of Summers, you hired some guy without experience, and the team just kind of fizzled out. They need they need a coach to get in there that knows what he's doing, that's proven winner, knows what it takes to win football games. So with that said, um, when we're looking at the list you came up with, one interesting name for me that I think fits all the characteristics that Georgia Southern is looking for is Kennesaw State head coach Brian Bohannon. Kennesaw State, you know, it's – runs the option, they do it pretty, pretty well, and it's the flex bone, which I think 
they got away with going the gun option with Fritz, but I think that was because more of Fritz being an excellent, just an excellent, excellent coach, and we're seeing that now at what he's doing with Tulane. But um, I think a move to the flex bone, I think, would help uh, Georgia Southern, especially since, um, you know, no one runs that in offense in, in the Sun Belt. And it's, it, and it appears that, you know, Bohannon, that's what his team does, and they put up some really good numbers. And I think you said they're 6-1 and one right now in the FCS. Um, is that somebody that you could really see um, taking the job? Realistically, I'd like, I'd like that. But, uh, again, I mentioned this in my article. I've, I've, been he- I've been hearing rumors, and I obviously there's nothing on paper. Nobody's ever reported or anything on it. There's some sort of rift between Bohannon and our athletic director now. And I think it stems back, if I believe I, believe I read this correctly, it stems back to some disagreement that Kleinlein had with Paul Johnson or something. And uh, apparently Bohannon really, you know, puts Paul, Paul Johnson up on a pedestal. So he kind of takes his, uh, his orders from him. Uh, if Kleinlein can, like I said, eat some crow in my article uh, and, and kind of come back and be like, hey, you know, uh, water under the bridge and all that, you know, let's, let's get this thing going. I'd love to see Bohannon because it seems like he's, he really knows what he's doing. I mean, he's turned that, that program from absolutely nothing into uh, a real a real power in the FCS in just a few years. So I think he'd be a great fit if uh, Kleinlein could kind of swallow his pride a little bit. So okay, um, it's just I just think it's a perfect fit for them, and I think it gets them back to that you know Jeff or that Munkin Paul Johnson style that flex bone triple option. You're under center, um, you're running the dives with the big the big back, and then you. Occasionally, you got a quarterback that can keep it on different stuff, and then of course, you know the rocket sweeps and all that stuff you see with the the option. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it fits what Georgia Southern wants to do. I think I think what's going on with Georgia Southern, I may be wrong. I think maybe the older fans want that triple option, while the younger fans just want to win and have a coach there that knows what he's doing. And I think that really Bohanna fits the the bill for both parties in that situation. Yeah, the younger fans, uh, their their uh, bar for a good head coach is much lower and has much more, much less attached to it uh, than the older fans do, who are really married to the uh, the flex bone. You know, watched uh, Paul Johnson and even going back to Eric Russell run that. Yeah, again, like I consider myself one of the younger fans. Uh, I graduated from Georgia Southern in 2014, so I was there for all of Jeff Munkin's tenure. Um, I've seen both offenses, Fritz out of the gun and uh, Munkins both work. So, I mean, what, whatever. As long as this head coach that's coming in has a plan and can present that plan and, and again, has head coaching experience under his belt, I feel like could be a good fit. And like you mentioned, Bohan, and I, th- I feel like would be a great fit. Um, th- with those extenuating circumstances, who knows? But I feel like he could be a great fit. Okay. Is there anyone else like if you had your pick, Brian, who would who would you want to get the job? Uh, I'd probably say Mike Houston, um, just because he's he's at the peak of FCS football right now. He's got the best team in in FCS with James Madison. Um, he's made them you know such a force that you know game day and stuff comes down there. Although that's going back to Everett Withers, but you know he's got he's had them roll in the last two years they won the national championship they look primed to make another run at it this year 
Uh, I think he brings the right combination of experience and, you know, that kind of winning mindset that Georgia Southern desperately needs right now since they're looking at the uh, barrel end of a winless year. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, suggestion. I just don't know if he would, you know, take it. I think he's maybe waiting out for a bigger job. And the offense, like he's not the option. So I don't know how they would feel if, you know, if they come in, if he came in and started throwing the football around the yard, I know he runs a balanced offense, but um, but certainly he has that winning pedigree that is desperately needed. Um, how quick do you think this this administration has moved, and when do you think they'll, they'll have their guy? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, last or the last time when we hired Summers, I, I specifically remember following it like all through bowl season. So. I don't know. I, I assume that they've got maybe four or five guys right now that they know that they kind of want to pursue. Um, but obviously nobody's going to talk to them until kind of the season starts wrapping up and we get into like bowl selection time. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely in the early stages. I always laugh when people ask me, like, who do you think they're going to go after, like, realistically? And I'm like, I don't know. We're People forget we're only six games into into this season. We still have half a season left. Nobody's going to leave their job tomorrow to take Georgia Southern's head coaching job. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see how it pans out once the season starts wrapping up. We'll probably hear a couple more names come to the surface. Uh, again, I just hope it's not – we don't take another uh, leap of faith uh, based on what Tom Kleinline thinks is best for the football team. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, interesting search. Um, I, was, I myself was surprised they let Summers go. I thought – you know, they would maybe let him ride out the season. But I guess they – I think they did that just because it was so bad um, that they got beat by UMass by so much and it was just bad PR. And then, you know, when they when you fire a coach early like this, it lets you do your search in public so you don't have to hide it. Um, I guess you can leak stories to the media or whatnot and speak with, and speak with people without having to, you know, do it quietly. So that gives them an advantage there as they're – you know the candidates they're going to be going after. There's no other jobs that are really open right now that uh, that those coaches are going to want. So definitely going to be interesting to see who they target and see if they go go the option route or see if they go anywhere different. Um, and then another thing, when we get back to Bohannon, um, they did hire a Georgia Tech assistant this past offseason in Brian Cook. So maybe that could be you know. They Bohannon could come in and he could keep Cook on staff and they have a little bit of a, you know, a familiarity with it. So maybe that's that helped um, ease the tension that they have with Paul Johnson. Yeah, I hope so. Um, like I said, I feel like he would be an excellent fit. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 have to see. You know, if if like something leaks later on this season and they say that Bohannon's on the radar for Georgia Southern, I feel like we'll need we'll have known that. Kleinline came in and like buried the hatchet or whatever because if he's not even mentioned, then uh, clearly Kleinline's uh, pride or whatever has has you know superseded his his need for a winning football coach. So uh, yeah, it's interesting to see the uh, the list of of potential candidates that was that was leaked on Sunday morning. Some of these names I've never heard of, and I just think that you know two thirds of them are terrible fits. So I don't know. I don't know what they were talking about on Sunday morning, uh, the guys with like ESPN and stuff. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Yes, it will. Um, and we'll go ahead and move forward here. 
What are your expectations, I guess, for Lunsford moving forward? Do you think uh, Georgia Southern can win a game this year, or do you think just this season is all for naught at this point? Um, I think they can definitely win a game this year. Like you said, um, still got Georgia Georgia State. I mean, um, you know, UL Lafayette's looked really bad like the past couple weeks. Um, that's that's probably a winnable game, even though it's on the road. And they get Coastal Carolina in the finale, who's been you know up and down this season. So I just feel like if the players feel like the coaches are behind them and there's a coherent vision going forward. I feel like they could even win upwards of two or three games this season. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a hundred percent chance they're going completely winless. But um, things just seem a lot better now that we know Summers like is gone. His whole tenure is is behind us. We can forget it and move on. So uh, we'll see how much juice they have this uh, Saturday when they play Troy. Yeah, and you speak to that Troy game. That's a team that they've really kind of had their way with. Even last year, they uh beat the Trojans in the season finale to keep them from winning a Sunbelt title. Um, they enter this game as huge, huge underdogs. Um, do you think they have much of a chance on Saturday, or what are you? What do you think uh, people should expect from Georgia Southern this week when they head over to the southern part of Alabama to take on the Trojans? I think they'll be more competitive than they have been up to this point in the season. Um, I'm looking at the line right now. It's 25-and-a-half for Troy. I feel like they're going to be more competitive than that just because they're going to be so like ready to go for Lunsford because again, he's been there so long. All the players have known him since, since, you know, this class has come in and even way before them. So I feel like unless there's just, there's just no way that they get around these defensive issues and, and don't get the iron, uh, iron out for the offensive issues. Uh, I feel like they're going to be pretty competitive, uh, this Saturday. Uh, I'm interested to see what they look like. And, uh, like, like I said, apparently it's his job interview time, these six games. So um, if they don't get up for this game, they're just not going to get up for another game this season. We'll move forward. and Georgia Southern, I think we talked about as much as we could. Um, it was just the right move, uh, probably at the right time. And it's, it's interesting to talk about these candidates. Make sure you're keeping tuned to the site and in our Georgia Southern coaching search stream. Brian, our guy, guy Haston, and some other people are contributing, and we'll we're the definitely must follow blog on the websites on all of college football websites that you need to follow for this search. Um, let's we're gonna dive into some Sunbelt action this week. Um, Brian, just uh, like I guess big picture, what has been some of your takeaways from Sunbelt play this season? I've been I've been kind of surprised uh, at how the middle of the Sunbelt has shaken out. Um, South Alabama has been a weird team all season, and I'm looking at their game against Georgia State. Uh, what This will come out Thursday, so tonight. Um, they're only one-point favorites. Uh, South Alabama's, been, like I said, been a really weird team. Georgia State's been a, kind of an odd team. And uh, I know we talked about it before the season kind of went and we did our preview, but, yeah, the middle of the way that the Sun Belt has shaken out has kind of really surprised me with, with how teams have slotted in. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we're not surprised, or I'm not surprised. App State and Arkansas State are the two favorites to win the conference again, along with Troy. Um, but yeah, the middle is the is the most interesting part to me because it's it's mostly a three team race at the top. Yeah, that App State, State, Arkansas State, and Troy are the top three is really not a surprise. But to me, the way they got there um, is kind of surprising. 
Arkansas State is just throwing the ball over the yards, scoring a bunch of points, but their defense is kind of getting lit up, which is a surprise, you know, figuring what they did last year. And then Troy is having problems scoring points, and I just didn't see that coming with all the skill talent they have returning. And then Appalachian State is struggling to run the ball, and they're having to throw the ball. So the teams are still winning, but they're just doing it in different ways than I expected, and that that's really caught me by surprise. And you mentioned South Alabama. They they are consistently weird. You just don't know what they're what you're gonna get from them. Um, I can see them like in this just Georgia State game. I think it's gonna be a close one that South Alabama squeaks out. But I could see them winning by forty, and I could see them going down there and getting their asses whooped. You just they're just they're just so volatile. You just really never know what you're gonna get uh, from them. Ever since you know Joey Jones, it's got that program you know going. I mean, the last three years have been like the same story. They're just Jekyll. They're the most Jekyll and Hyde team in college football, I think. Yeah, I mean, I like the way that they've played the last two weeks. Obviously, beating Troy and uh, ULM. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, they won a close one or they went down and beat Georgia State by, like you said, forty. I feel like I feel like this game is going to go South Alabama's way either way. I feel like um, whatever whatever happened after that. Uh, Idaho game and Louisiana Tech, they, they've kind of gotten back on the right track on both sides of the ball. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think they're going to give Georgia State all they can handle on, uh, tonight. Yeah, I think South Alabama's playing pretty well right now. And Georgia State really, really struggles to run the football. Plus, they have the, maybe the worst special teams play in the country. So, I, I give South Alabama the edge there. I just think they, they've got some good momentum going, but – you never know with the Jags. But we'll move into some Saturday action as we start to preview some games this week. UMass hosts another Sunbelt team as Appalachian State comes to town. And UMass, as you know, Brian, has a pretty good passing attack. And Appalachian yeah. State has been playing down to their competition all season. But they're only a four-point favorite here. I think sooner or later, App State's just going to get it all together and blow somebody out. I think that I could see that happening this weekend. And it might be UMass. Um, for all the all the faults that Georgia Southern's defense had uh, last Saturday, they didn't really struggle to run the ball until the second half, and then that's kind of when everything fell apart. So if, I feel like if App State's going to get that running game on track, Saturday would be a really good game for them to do it. UMass, as long as you defend the long pass, it doesn't seem like UMass has much else. Um, they don't run the ball overly well. Uh, the only the only times they ran the ball well against Georgia Southern was like after those three long touchdowns, and Georgia Southern was playing so far back that it was just opening up the entire middle of the field. So I wouldn't be surprised if App State went up there and just stomped UMass. Yeah, I know some App State fans are upset because they're not, I guess, winning pretty. But Taylor Lamb just became the program's all-time touchdown passes leader. He threw for 427 yards in the win over Coastal Carolina. They just keep doing what they do, and that's win Sunbelt games. I believe Scott Satterfield's something like 25-4 and four since they joined the league in the conference. Um, they've just been dominant since uh, since joining. Yeah, and again, I don't. there's a reason UMass was winless leading up until last Saturday. Um, like I said, they don't run the ball overly well. They don't stop the run very well. Um, obviously, Georgia Southern didn't throw the ball a whole lot, so there wasn't a whole lot of tests on their uh, secondary – but App State is probably going to give them, you know, a real beating, I think, this Saturday. Yeah, and then we'll move on. Again, we talked about it a little bit earlier, Georgia Southern goes to Troy. I'm just interested to see and uh, what kind of Georgia Southern team we get on the field Saturday afternoon. 
I feel like everything needs to be simplified. Uh, I think that's been the problem this year is that offensively and defensively, what they've tried to do has not worked because of how complicated everything has been. And there are still a lot of young players in this team. Like I said, only eight seniors. Uh, I feel like if Lunsford knows, has seen the best parts of both Fritz and Munkin's offense, I feel like if he can kind of pare that offense down and just get to those sort of money plays that will allow them to rip off some big chunks, I feel like they could be successful offensively. Defensively, I just don't know. Like, I don't know if we have the athletes on the back line, honestly, like from what I've seen. I don't know if it's a coverage issue or if it's like a coach from a coaching perspective, but I don't know. They've just really struggled to keep up with their receivers. So if Troy wants to throw the ball, Troy's going to throw the ball, basically. Right. I agree there 100%. But Troy, they have their offense has been a lot of dink and dunk, but they, they really made an effort to throw it vertically against Georgia State, and that paid off with Silver's throwing for over 300 yards. So, um, you, I, I think they're going to keep going with that game plan. And I I don't see Georgia Southern really stopping Troy, but I think um, that option could, and with some wrinkles, I think they could give a really, really, really good Troy defense, which I think is the best in the Sun Belt, some issues. Um, but we'll move on. A ULM goes to Idaho. Both teams really in here uh, need a victory. Idaho just got the absolute crud beat out of them after really letting an upset opportunity go away against Appalachian State while ULM has uh, quietly lost two in a row and their defense is just getting shredded and they look like they may have the worst defense in the FBS. Yeah, this is a tough one to pick because of how both teams have played. Um, I think I'm going to go with Idaho, but it's very, it's, that's very conservative. Um, They're playing at home. They gave App State a game, a a solid game uh, earlier this season. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. I'll pick Idaho, but it's very—it's a prohibitive pick, basically. Yeah, that game could go either way. I don't think really anybody knows how that's going to play out. But those are two teams that—I mean, Idaho just trying to get some momentum as they're going to FCS next year. ULM—it's been a good season so far, but the last two weeks have really been let down since they let two winnable games against Georgia State and South Alabama slip away. Um, so they can—that—that's probably going to be the it of their bowl hopes, but um, they're improving under Matt Viator in a second season, so uh, just keep getting better should be the goal for that team. And then another game, 6 o'clock Eastern kickoff. We've got the two cellar dwellers of the conference, Texas State, Coastal Carolina, um, both only with one win on the season. Um, Chadwell, you know, he's an interim year, and it's the first year at the FBS, but Coastal's really struggling. Their defense is giving up tons of points. And then uh, their offense is just hit hit or miss. Either the passing game's going well and the running game's nothing, or the rushing game going well and the passing game is uh, nothing. So they just can't seem to get on the same page. Meanwhile, Texas State, it's kind of the same old story from last year. But they're at least still playing some young guys, so they can at least point to the future. Yeah, I, I see Coastal winning this one uh, and get picking up their first Sun Belt win and uh, team – history i guess since they've been only been here for a year uh texas states look pretty bad especially the last two weeks against ulm and uh ul lafayette um yeah i i think uh coastal carolina's defense is going to be our offense is going to be more hit than miss uh just because texas state's been so poor um i feel like texas state has really struggled to get on on track offensively so 
I'll take Coastal Carolina in this one. Yeah, Texas State just made the move to Willie Jones, a true freshman at quarterback. Um, and he played decently well against uh, UL Lafayette a couple weeks ago. And they're, of course, coming off a bye. But I do like Coastal at home. I think they're just – I think they've been really, really close to getting a win. And I think they could uh, really explode and maybe get a big win on Saturday. And then the final game, of course, which is I think is going to be the best game of the day and maybe end up being the best Sunbelt game of the season. Arkansas State travels to New Mexico State. You can make an argument that the two best quarterbacks in the conference this year have been Justice Hansen and Tyler Rogers. I think we could see a shootout there in Las Cruces. I feel like uh, this is one of those games that's uh, preparing up to be a 12-9 final. Um, any, typically any game, whether it be college or pro, where you can point to it and say, that's going to be a shootout. Typically both, both offenses disappoint. But uh, – yeah, no, this one's going to be a lot of passing, a lot of throwing the ball all over the yard. Uh, I think Arkansas State takes it, obviously, but uh, it's going to be a ton of points. So hopefully it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, I think it'll – I'm like i liking this, that New Mexico State's coming off the bye. They were really banged up. So they have to get healthy right there after playing seven straight games. And it's a game that they – you know, it's, it's still looking good for bowl eligibility, but they could have a really special season if they could win this one. Um, of course, they let us close one slip away at home against Troy earlier in the season, and then they had Appalachian State on the ropes and Boone before just kind of falling for the bottom fell out there in the fourth quarter. Um, so we'll see. Tyler Rogers is throwing a lot of interceptions, so he needs to get that under control. But both of these offenses are really explosive, with really good receivers, while the defense on each side has given up big plays and big points. So I think. That this game could that could maybe be the most fun built game of all time. I just wish this game was on like a Thursday or a Wednesday night so more people could see it. Yeah, from since uh, they lost to SMU, uh, Arkansas State's offense has just been giving people the blues, including Georgia Southern. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a ton of points, but I see Arkansas State probably winning this one for many, anywhere from like eight to ten points. I think. Yeah, and you mentioned that SMU game. The reason their offense kind of bogged down that was because Hanson got hurt. But every game Hanson's played, they scored at least – they played all four quarters, they scored at least 36 points. So it's been one of the better offense in college football. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we got I got to see that firsthand, obviously, when they played Georgia Southern. So, uh, yeah, again, Arkansas State take the four-point line or whatever and just roll with it. Brian likes the Red Wolves there. Looking at the weekend in a whole, Brian, for you, what are you looking to take away from the from the conference this weekend? Uh, I want to see uh, South Alabama and Georgia State. Uh, like I said, those two teams play tonight. They've been kind of middling uh, in the conference. Uh, this might be a statement win for either one of these teams to try to kind of get on track and turn their season around because both teams have been a little shaky to start. I agree. I would like to. I like to see either South Alabama or Georgia State. Um, one of them's got a. This is going to be a statement win for either one. Um, for Georgia State, they need to get a new win in that stadium, and for South Alabama, a win here could really set them up to where they can make a run at a potential Sun Belt title in November. And then, other than that, I just want to see Texas State, Coastal Carolina. Um, I think a win there could give either team some momentum. Um, so if I just want to see one of those teams play well and get a big win. Um, but Brian, I think we'll wrap it up here. Tell the tell everybody where they can find you at on Twitter and some of the stuff you've been working on for the site. Um, you can follow me at Watch the Stone, all one word. 
Um, yeah, mostly we've been just, you know, diving into uh, the state of Georgia Southern's coaching and, you know, who might be a good fit, something like that. Uh, I'm really interested to see how they play against Troy this weekend. Uh, like I said, if they if they don't play well this weekend, they can just go ahead and pack it in for the rest of the season. So I'm very, very interested to see how they play this Saturday. Yes, that's going to be very interesting. Of course, you can find me at Adam Luckett, B-O-S. Make sure you're checking out everything on the site. We're really producing some good content right now for all of, for all the American Conference, for the Sun Belt, and for the Conference USA, and including some appendants such as Army and UMass. Um, Brian, thanks for coming on the show, my man. We'll have to do this again soon. Yeah, uh, had, a, had a great time. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.